Good morning, Silver Creek Church. It's wonderful to be with you this morning. I'm so excited to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ this morning. Happy Easter. I want to welcome all of you that are our online guests this morning. If this is the first time that you've ever participated in one of our online services, I just want to encourage you at some point during the message, or maybe when it's concluded, stop into our website, silvercreekchurch.org, and on the main taskbar, you're going to see it says, I'm new. Click that. There'll be a drop-down menu. Click on Connect Card. Fill that out and submit it. Let us get to know you a little bit better. We'd like to reach out and thank you for worshiping with us here today. Now, I want you to realize this morning as we are celebrating on this very special day that I believe that, that literally for the rest of your life, you are going to remember where you were and what you were doing on Easter Sunday morning 2020. Because of what's happening in our, in our world today, we're going to remember where we are on this Easter Sunday morning. Friends, we're not waiting for things to change. Things have changed. And we're here today to celebrate the hope that we have through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now I want to ask you a question as I get started this morning. And that question is this. I'm wondering how many of you, and I'm sure... Um, that, that, that it's going to be a number of you would say that, that somewhere you have, maybe it's a necklace, maybe a, a pair of earrings, but, but you have some piece of jewelry that has a cross on it. There might even be some of you that, that you have a tattoo and that tattoo is a tattoo of a cross. I want you to think about that for just a moment because the cross is one of the most recognizable symbols in the world. I don't know if you know this, but in the country of Albania, wearing a cross is against the law. The cross is a tool that was used and developed by the Romans to torture, to execute, and to humiliate their prisoners. And they used that tool for about a 500-year period in their history. So if you were to wear that cross that you have around your neck during that time, it would have been like wearing a necklace that had an electric chair pendant on it today. We would say that that would be, would be tasteless or, or maybe even borderline on simply grotesque. But that's what it would have been like because the cross was a symbol an ugly symbol of death and of judgment. But I want you to know that today, that symbol has been transformed. That symbol has been changed into something that's beautiful. And this is literally a picture, a clear picture of what the resurrection day is all about. Resurrection Day is the day that God took that which was broken, that which was cruel and harsh and ugly and repulsive and made those things beautiful. Resurrection Day is all about transformation and all about redemption. Now, I assure you that, that Jesus 
uh, resurrection didn't just make the cross a little less ugly, a little uh, less painful, but literally the resurrection is so powerful that it has taken a symbol of death and transformed it into a symbol of life. So let me ask you this. What is it about Jesus' resurrection? What is it about his life, his death, and his resurrection that brings probably close to 2 billion people around the world together every Easter to remember, to reflect, and to celebrate his resurrection? This morning, I'd like to take a moment and break down this hope that we have in Jesus as the Messiah, as the Christ. I want to start with an analysis of proof. The Old Testament is filled with prophecies about the Messiah. In fact, there's more than 300 of them. In the book of Micah, written by the the prophet, he said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah, we read that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. Zacharias said that he would be betrayed for silver. The book of Psalms says that he would be crucified. Isaiah says that he would be despised and rejected. And the book of Job says, my Redeemer lives, referring to his resurrection. These prophecies were made anywhere from between 300 to 700 plus years before Jesus ever came on the scene here on earth. Secular ancient historians in the first century, such as Tacitus, Josephus and Pliny the Younger each independently confirm facts regarding the crucifixion of Jesus. And none of these sources would have been pro-Christian sources. They were, they were secular, they, and yet they confirm these details about the crucifixion. Dr. Paul Meyer says this, that those are what are called positive evidence from a hostile source. He's quoted as saying this, if a source admits a fact that is decidedly not in its favor, the fact is genuine. These historians in the first century were Jews, they were pagan Romans, they were not coming at it from a Christian perspective, and yet they confirm much of what we know about the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So let's take a moment And let's look at what Jesus said concerning himself, his own death and resurrection. You see, during his ministry, Jesus actually predicted the circumstances surrounding his own death and his resurrection. We read about it in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 8, beginning at verse 31, where he says this, Then he began to teach them, that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Let me ask you this. How is it possible for someone to actually foretell actual facts about the type of death that they would die and their resurrection from the dead ahead of time. Friends, without the resurrection, there would be no Easter Sunday. 
there would be no church, there would be no redemption for mankind. In his first letter to the Corinthians, Paul says that if Christ had not been raised from the dead, that our faith would be futile, our hope would be worthless, and that we should be pitied. But he goes on in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20 to say this, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. A scholar by the name of John S. Wales said this, Belief in the resurrection is not an appendage to the Christian faith. It is the Christian faith. And only through the resurrection of Jesus are we able to put our trust in him when he says to us that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no man comes to the Father except by him. And it is through his own prophetic statement about his death and resurrection that we can realize that he is is the Son of God and that he speaks the truth and that we can put our trust in in him and our hope in him as our savior next i'd like to look at the evaluation of the cost my wife veronica and i have been talking for months about the fact that we really need a new bed you know what that's like that that old bed's kind of saggy and, and you, you want to get a new bed, you want to be more comfortable, it want, you want to be supported, it makes your back feel better. And so after months of talking about it, and I probably drugged my feet a little bit, uh, we decided that we were going to go out to some of our local stores and we were going to try out beds. And I want to assure you that this is not creepy or weird at all. We were actually told we needed to lay down on a particular bed for seven minutes while the salesperson walked away and just left us there. I took one look at the price tag on some of these beds and I literally just about came unglued. They were thousands of dollars. We finally were able to to buy a new mattress. It, It felt like it was out of a guy's van in Scandia somewhere. Not really, but... We were able to find a a good quality bed at a reasonable price, which was still way more than I wanted to spend. And if my wife and I were both really totally honest with you, I'm sure that, that neither one of us are fully convinced yet that we like it. And all I can think about is how much money I spent on it and what a waste it would be if I'm not gonna continue to be able to sleep on it. You see, I want to make sure that the price that I pay for something is totally worth it. Let's take this back to resurrection. You see, following Jesus' resurrection and his ascension into heaven, the disciples paid a high price. They went through terrible persecution that broke out in the city of Jerusalem against Christians. And as early as Acts chapter 12, we read about the cost that's being paid by some of his disciples. One in particular is his disciple named James, the brother of John, the son of Zebedee. And he's arrested by Herod. We read about it in Acts 12 beginning right away at verse 1. It said it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. 
When he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. You see, Herod's plan was, was not only uh, to, to, to uh, execute James, but now his plan was to arrest Peter and ultimately execute him after a trial as a way of gaining public favor. Tradition tells us that, uh, that most of the, the disciples, in fact, of the remaining disciples, only John, the beloved, uh, who was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, all the rest of them actually were martyred for their belief in the resurrection. These men spent three years of their lives living with Jesus and they lost their lives because they believed in something that they had personally witnessed, the death and resurrection of their friend Jesus. Their belief in the resurrection brought them no fame, it brought them no fortune, it brought them no earthly power or status, their belief actually cost them everything, and they paid that cost with their very lives. So as you and I look for hope in today's world, it's good to know that those who have gone before us, they believed because they were eyewitnesses, and it was worth dying for, for them. Next, let's look at the transformation of hearts. I've been thinking about the similarities between the disciples back then and our world right now. And I want to be careful not to take this illustration too far. But let me simply point out a couple of things. Their world had literally been turned upside down. They had expected that Jesus would set up his kingdom on the earth. Now, our world has been completely flipped upside down. And we can't depend on the things that we used to. We can't just say, I'm going to go get on a plane and I'm going to fly to another part of our country. We can't even depend on our jobs necessarily. We can't depend on the stock market. We can't depend on the fact of, of, of whatever we want at the grocery store being there on the day that we happen to go there. The disciples were literally huddled together behind locked doors out of fear. And you and I are being told to stay at home, to keep our distance, to sanitize to wash your clothes after you go out in public and wear a mask while you're out in public. I saw a Facebook post the other day that I thought was pretty funny. It was a mom that, uh, a young man rather, a millennial that said, my mom said that I would never accomplish anything with my life by sitting on the couch all day and playing video games. But look at me now, I'm saving the world. We're in a very different place in this world. Jesus was dead and buried. The disciples had lost all hope. It had vanished away in a period of about 24 hours. I have people who have literally, in their lives, they've rescheduled their weddings now twice because of what's happening with this pandemic. We might be considered non-essential, laid off, alone, vulnerable, afraid, and separated from loved ones. 
But I want you to take that comparison between the disciples and, and, and what you and I might be going through now, and I want you to look at the results of the resurrection of Jesus, the transformation that the resurrection produced in their lives. On the night that Jesus was arrested, all the disciples fled and they hid and they remained pretty much out of sight. Peter was out on the fringes and at that night he denied knowing Jesus three times. But just a few weeks later, following the day of Pentecost and receiving the infilling of the Holy Spirit and power, Peter and John are arrested because they prayed for a crippled beggar that was sitting outside the temple gate called Beautiful. They were brought before the same Jewish rulers that were responsible for crucifying Jesus. They were asked, in whose power and in whose name did you heal this man? And I want you to see that these same men that ran and hid, these same men that denied knowing who Jesus was, they answered with boldness. It's recorded in Acts chapter 4 and verse 9. It says, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands healed before you. I want to drop down now to verse 13 there in Acts chapter 4, and I want to read also what they saw in Peter and John. It says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John had been transformed by the power that was made available to them by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that that same power is available today for you and I. In fact, there are untold millions who have been transformed by that same power. And it's available for you today as well. You see, the resurrection reaches all the way to the worst part of your past. It impacts your current reality and it secures your future. The resurrection of Jesus Christ takes all your epic failures, all our deepest regrets, our unbearable shame, our disgusting weaknesses, and our ugliest sin and transforms them into a beautiful victory by the power of Jesus Christ. And finally, I want to look at the scrutiny of the scars have you ever thought about Jesus' scars? When you have a scar, you think about it. I've got about a seven-inch scar here in the center of my chest, and I know that I think about that scar quite often. In the days following the resurrection, Jesus, the Bible says, appeared to his disciples and they were all present with the exception of one. His name was Thomas. He didn't happen to be present but the other disciples they were there 
and the other disciples, after Jesus appeared to them, they, they met Thomas and they said, Thomas, we saw Jesus. Jesus appeared to us. And Thomas said something that many of us might consider saying. He said, you know, until I can touch the nail prints that are in Jesus' hand, until I can take my hand and, and, and literally put it into his side where the spear went, I just can't believe. The Bible tells us that a week later, Jesus appears once again to the disciples who were gathered together in a house. They were behind locked doors, and this time Thomas was present. We read about it in John's Gospel, chapter 20, beginning at verse 17. It says, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. You know, we don't often think about the fact that after Jesus' resurrection, he still had the scars from the cross. Scars are evidence of traumatic things that have happened in our past. I've invited one of our Silver Creek family members to share her story with you about her scars. Most of us have a physical scar or two, but I would dare say that all of us have scars on the inside. For some of us, those emotional scars are so debilitating and so ugly in our own eyes that we do everything possible to keep them hidden. You might even think that because of some of those scars that God would never love you, that Jesus could never embrace you. But friends, I want you to know that because of the cross and because of the resurrection, Jesus understands your scars. And in fact, Jesus took his scars for you and for me. Those scars don't define who you are. They don't make you unworthy of God's love. They're simply evidence of the past. And God wants to bring healing to that past. He wants to bring healing to your heart and ultimately healing to those scars. But those scars won't disappear. They will remain there as evidence of what has happened in the past. Today I want you to know that God loves you scars and all, and that his son Jesus went to the cross and took those scars for you and for me. And even after Easter Sunday, after the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, he still bore those scars in his hands and in his side as a remembrance of the sacrifice that he made. 
If you have not experienced this transforming power of the resurrection in your life that I've talked about today, today is the day to do so. Earlier I mentioned that I believe that you would forever remember where you were on Easter Sunday 2020. But I want you to imagine if today was the day that you experienced the transforming power for the very first time in your life. What a day that would be. Not because of COVID-19, but because of putting your trust in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and His power to make you brand new again. Watchman Nee A church leader in China in the mid-1900s said this, Old history ends with the cross. Our new history begins with the resurrection. Friends, the resurrection doesn't make us a little bit better. The resurrection is not just another step on the road to self-improvement. Resurrection doesn't help us to be good. And it's, it's not about being good. Being good isn't what God really is looking for anyway. But just like the cross that I spoke of at the beginning of my message that you might wear around your neck on a necklace, just like that cross, God wants to change you from something that is broken, from something that is scarred, from something that is tragic, from something that is painful, into something that is beautiful and that is filled with life through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you'd like to receive that transforming power of the resurrection today. What a day to receive it. Easter Sunday, 2020. I want to invite you this morning as I close to bow your heads with me and to pray. Father, I thank you on this Easter Sunday as we are gathered in homes all across our community. I thank you that the presence of God is with us. And I thank you that the transforming power of God is available to us today through the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I pray for the one that is listening right now that says, you know, I, I need that transforming power. I need my past to be healed. I need my current reality to be transformed. I need my future to be transformed. And I don't know how to do it myself. Father, I pray that right now they would say, Father, I need the transforming power of the resurrection of Jesus. I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for me. And I need forgiveness. I recognize that I'm a sinner. I invite Jesus into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, I'm so glad 
for anyone that prayed that prayer this morning. And it doesn't matter to me where you live. You may be in Marquette. You may be somewhere in the Upper Peninsula. You may be somewhere in the Midwest, throughout the country, or around the world. But if you prayed that prayer this morning, I believe that the transforming power of the resurrection of Jesus has come into your life and he is going to take everything that's old, everything that's broken, everything that's ugly, and he's going to turn it into something that's brand new. The apostle Paul said that anyone that's in Christ is a new creature The old things have passed away and all things have become new. And I'm so excited about that today. I pray God's blessing upon you and your family today in this Easter season, 2020. God bless you and thank you for being with us.